there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we're doing episode by episode recap the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous. Though we were talking about this before the show, this should actually be another Riot Rant episode, shouldn't it? Yeah, it should totally be another Riot Rant episode. Also, you may notice us being a little angrier than usual, because I think this is the second time we've recorded this episode, and uh, we're still struggling. We just spent an hour troubleshooting. Basically, if it sounds like we're talking really fast, it's because we're panicking and trying to get the episode done before Annie's internet gives out again. So anyway, Riot's Hope is our great Riot backstory episode written by Roger Slifer. Yeah, this is season three, episode 11, aka episode 64. And Roger Slifer, this is his final episode. Godspeed, you magnificent man. Now, Roger Slifer has worked on a whole bunch of like the best episodes of the show. Kate, you've got a list. What what all do we have from him again? Well, we have the day the music died, i.e. the gem is dead episode. Wonderful. We have Hollywood Gem Part 1 and 2. Oh, hey, look, it's Gem. Hollywood Gem. Father's Day. Oh, that's the episode where Kimpin got thrown from a horse. And that upset Pizazza's dad. Uh, Last Resorts, where the bears were blocking the hologram projections. Excellent. That means Roger Slifer also wrote Look Who It Is, Little Miss Pink Hair and the Singalongs, the greatest burn in the history of the show. And last but certainly not least... Intrigue at the Indy 500. Oh, Roger Slifer understands this show in a way that no one except Christy Marks understands it. So yeah, this is the Riot Backstory episode, which really feels like this is the second to last episode, so we need to cram in as much as we possibly can. We also have to explain why Riot is sympathetic in the next episode, although they never did that for the Misfits. Oh boy, but we should probably get into this. And by that, I mean we need to travel back in time to 1988 with a headline on a newspaper that reads Middle East heats up. And there's this cranky old man holding the newspaper who says we ought to send in the big guns and clean up that place once and for all, which historically speaking turned out great. And like the wife who's next to this random dude is like, oh dear, please relax. There's no media concern. This will all still be happening in 30 years from now. Grim gritty humor here on the Gem Jam. It's about this point when uh, my beloved boyfriend walks up. While saying off screen, is this a private rampage or can anybody join in? Which I think is his best entrance line ever. And he's had a lot of really good entrance lines. And he's wearing like this beautiful sweater vest and he just looks magnificent. So we learn in short order two things. One, these two people are Riot's parents. And two, Rory's real name, as I think he has mentioned at some point, is Rory Llewellyn. Which also is the name of my Dungeons and Dragons character, for obvious reasons. Anyway, Riot has a present for his mom and it's their new album. But it's not just the new album. It's wrapped up in Stinger's rapping paper, which like, they have created a stationary set and a cartoon before apparently launching their very first album. And uh, and the, the album is called The Stingers colon Hit Town. It's just called Hit Town. I think at that point, it's an imperative, like they're telling you to hit town. Strike the town down. So it's very clearly a gift for mom, but dad is like, you can't march here after five years and expect us to welcome you. And Riot's like, I'm in one of the most famous bands on the planet. I own my own record company. It's named after me. My face is on the billboard. And his dad's like, whatever, and grabs the vinyl and flings it into the water. I don't think vinyl actually gets messed up if you fling it into water. So this is where we immediately learn that this dad is just... So there's some gay panic happening. 
happening here. Throughout the episode, there is this undercurrent of like homophobia and misogyny where like Riot doing girly things brings him deep shame and he sees girly things as anything like relating to music. Anything that doesn't involve being in the army and punching Nazis. Let's be clear, not punching Nazis, punching commies. You're right, you're right. It's never directly stated as a homophobic thing, but Riot identifies it as some kind of macho thing that his father has. And his father also later says that, like, music is only for women and sissies, which... Yikes. The rift between Riot and his dad is very clearly rooted in Riot's fancy boy ways. That reads as homophobia in a lot of ways. It definitely comes across that way, and I think it's not unfair to interpret it through that lens, especially considering the 80s was not a great time to be a gay person. So let's just front load that and put all that context in here for what's going to happen in the rest of the episode. We'll touch on it a bit more, but you know, if this kind of dad isn't really your shtick, you may want to ollie out here. That's totally fine. Anyway, as soon as the record is thrown in the water, Riot grabs his dad by the lapels and says that was a gift for mom. And there's like a whole thing that leads to Riot storming out. Dad's like, you're not welcome here. You should leave. And Riot is like, goodbye, mother. And mother is like, no, Rory, please, please come back. And then she collapses dramatically to the ground. She's like, don't you understand? He's your son, too. And then just kind of faints. She soap opera drama faints. And Riot says like, Mildred. This mom, you start to understand where Riot gets his like incredibly traumatic streak from. Let's be honest, it's from both sides of the family. Oh, absolutely. It's a double whammy of drama. Then we skip to Stinger Sound and do our establishing line for this, which is maybe one of my favorite tropes in like quickly written pieces, which is Kimber being like, but I don't understand still. Why are we here? Someone needs to explain it to me again. She has been asking that question like every 30 seconds this entire trip. So the holograms are in an elevator going up to like this swanky party and Jem has to explain again that this is the release party for the Stingers first record. Stingers colon hit town. I mean to be fair this is totally in line with Kimber's established attention span as a character. Uh, However Kimber does pay attention to one thing and that is boys. You've still got a thing for Riot. And here's where we get into like maybe the most interesting thing about this episode which is that Jem is unabashedly into Riot. I don't think Rio's even in this episode. He's not, and it's great. <laughs> it is beautiful. It is everything I ever wanted in an episode. All Riot all the time, no Rio. Jem is like, oh no, Riot's a very talented musician. Blush, 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 who kept me in Mexico for three months against my will. It's a very complicated relationship. <laughs> so they get to the party and Riot is having a brood. Riot is like brooding at an eighth grade level. Riot is in an emotional state that is best experienced at the top of a rain-lashed cliff in Ireland somewhere. Riot is brooding at the same kind of level as Buffy's boyfriend Angel, the vampire who has a conscience. So Jem comes up, says hi, and Riot's just like, oh, hi, and then goes off to brood some more. He just has to go brood in every corner in the room. Between frames, we get the budget boost from like regular Jem to music video Jem. There's just a jump cut close to Riot's face and all of a sudden it has shading on it and the music video starts. And it is Take It or Leave It, which is actually reused from season three, episode two, which was when Riot pushed people into the pool and said, I'm awesome. I think the song actually works a lot better as like a song about a rift between a son and his father rather 
rather than a I'm a dick and you're just gonna have to deal with that song. No, it's great. It actually introduces like pathos. He flashes back to the record falling into the pool like four times. It definitely like makes Riot way more interesting. So Riot broods in every corner of the room and at one point moodily contemplates a cardboard cutout of himself. And we hear from off camera a whole scuffle and then dad arrives and it turns out that he's put on his army uniform for this. He put on his uniform specifically to come to the party and punch Riot in the face. Which he summarily does. And yells at him about how his mom's in the hospital. So Riot's dad is going to be in his in uniform and military dress for like the rest of the episode. And interesting thing, right now he has one star. He's a brigadier general. But he is multiple times going to be promoted and demoted between that and three stars lieutenant general. So there is some nonsense going on back at the army. Anyway, Riot's father is forcibly escorted out of the party and everybody comes up to offer condolences. And Rapture says, I didn't even know you had a father, which Rapture, I thought you just came fully formed out of the fey ether. Rapture, statistically speaking. (laughs) Jem then offers to drive Riot to the hospital to see his mom because apparently she's the only one out of any of these glam rockers who knows how to drive, except for like Aja, I guess. And Aja's definitely not going to take him. Jem and Riot arrive at the hospital where a nurse who was apparently cosplaying a nurse from the 1950s, complete with the little cap, just sort of escorts him to Riot's mom's room. And they're like, we have no idea what's wrong with her. We're still running tests. She has an acute case of plot contrivance. It's way more common than you think around here. I do want to point out that Jem is like super overdressed for this hospital. (laughs) Oh my God, she's in the biggest cocktail dress. So Jem's like, you know what? You just go brood over your mom. I'm going to go get a coffee. Let me know when you're ready to go. And she heads down there. Riot's dad is sitting at the bar of, they say it's a coffee shop. It's a diner. He's the only person in there. And Jem comes over and sits down right next to him like a skin stealer. Why would you not want to at least have one stool in between you and the next person? What's wrong with you? And then Jem looks at him and goes, hey, you're Riot's father, aren't you? I saw you punch him in the face at that party. And he's like, oh, oh, you were at my son's party. Not, oh, you're Jem, the most famous rock star in the entire world and winner of the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, like at the very least, he would have seen the Indy 500, right? He would have read the paper. Jem's like, hey, so whatever the heck is going on with your wife maybe isn't entirely Riot's fault. He's like, no, you don't understand. How about I use a flashback to prove I'm right somehow? See, we used to be a normal family before he went on his deviant weirdness. Baby Riot, he makes his dreams come true. Baby Riot is like platinum blonde and both his parents are redheads. He's definitely a changeling child. This goes so far beyond double recessive. This is genetically impossible. The weird thing is that dad describes like normal family things with the following bullet points. Took rides to the country. Had picnics. Behaved like a family. And then he says, and then he got interested in music. Music being a code word for gayness. Either it's a code word for gayness or this guy just literally moved out from the town where Patrick Swayze walked in and dirty dancing. That is like note for note the homophobe parents litany. We were a normal family. We did things that families do and then my child became a deviant. And by the way, we don't even have time to get into that because Jem's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And then she notices Riot just sort of wandering by the coffee shop. Excuse me, I gotta go stop my friend from walking into traffic because he's clearly disassociating right now. And then Riot's dad is like, yeah, I knew one of his friends wouldn't want to hear the truth. What truth? 
the truth that he's one of the most famous musicians in the world? So, uh, Jem catches up with Riot. Riot walks alone. The only road that he has ever known. No, he doesn't know where it goes. I refuse. But it's just Riot. No. And he's brooding. Moving on. And Jim's like, okay, let me just, come on, honey, let me just drive you home. And then she drives him home and Jim's like, okay, look, do you want to talk about this at all? And Riot's like, well, maybe coming for a cup of coffee. And somehow it's not an invitation for sexual overtures. In any other episode, this would be a line from Riot. He actually invites her up and makes her espresso. And he asks Jem what her relationship was like with her father. And Jem is like, oh, my father and I were very close. And then Riot's like, we were, I was close with my dad for a while, but I made the mistake of disagreeing with him. Which is, ah. Red flag, red flag, red flag. Buckle up for the sweet face of baby Riot. Mildred is teaching Riot how to play piano, which all, by the way, he is learning wrong. And it's like his first lesson and she's starting him on learning the A octave. Whatever she should be starting him on uh, C because that does something without having any flats or sharps or anything like that and that's a lot easier to learn and start with because then you're just like oh this makes sense to me or you could start with B flat I guess if you want to do that but either way she is not starting him with either of those things and it's really stupid but anyway while she's starting him on the A key suddenly Riot's dad bursts in is like no son of mine will ever play music and just starts whipping him no son of mine is gonna play the piano that's for women and sissies line for line that's what he says and then he just picks up his child spanks him and sends him off crying and then he stops his wife from going after him. This guy's the worst. Later on, we see Teen Riot who is sitting by a river playing a guitar having a nice time and then his dad shows up and shouts, no son of mine is gonna play the guitar and just grabs it and freaking blutos it on the ground. He office spaces that thing. It feels bad to be a gangster. And then Teen Riot just cries and that's our commercial break. When we come back, they're still in Riot's apartment. And Jem's like, wow, that's really messed up. Why wouldn't your dad want you to play music? And Riot's like, nowadays we call it toxic masculinity. But it's the 80s, so we don't have that term yet. No, we just call it some kind of macho thing. And then he's like, because Jem is shivering, he's like, oh, are you cold? And instead of saying, let me warm you up with my body, he says, let me make a fire. And he's explaining that he was an army brat. So like music was really the only thing that kept him together because it was really the only constant thing in his life. And then as he has made this eloquent point, he finishes making the fire and then just sort of rotates around offering the greatest man spread in gem history. And then we get baby army riot because apparently his dad has been bothering him to join the army and something, something, be a man. So he ends up in basic training in... He says Germany, probably West Germany, because I don't think the wall has come down by this point. Wright hated it. You can clearly see why Wright hated the army, because we get this really sad shot of a sad Wright getting all of his beautiful hair buzzed off. But then we get like the implication that the army at the very least made him buff. So there's a trade-off. Then one day I discovered this rock band called Nirvana. No, not that one. It doesn't exist yet. This is a different Nirvana. That sounds like 70s rock. Also Minx in this band. Yeah, Minx is in this band. Apparently, Riot went to go see them whenever he had a pass, to the point where he's there when the band has a huge blow-up and the backup guitarist quits. And then they're like, well, what are we going to do? And suddenly, Riot's on stage. We don't even see him getting up there. He's just there with a guitar. He teleports to the stage. How about me? And then he starts freaking shredding. Oh, God. And everyone starts backing him up, and it's really good. And they're like, oh, my God, that's great. We have a cross-European tour coming up. You should just ditch the army. And Riot's like, I feel like that's a 
bad idea. And they're like, come on. So he's like, sure, call me Riot. Uh, which, let's be real, he's had his rock star name picked out since he was like four. So we go back to Riot's apartment where the fire has died out. They've been talking so long. And Jem and Riot talk about how great it is to be in front of a crowd, how exhilarating it is, etc., etc. The important thing is Riot says that the tour went great, but then they made the boneheaded decision of going back to Germany. At which point, Riot is arrested. The MPs like bum rush the stage. It's great. And Jim is like, you were arrested? And Riot's like, hi, I ditched the army. You're not allowed to do that. My grandpa did that and they were really mad. So apparently he is kicked out, sent back to his parents' house back in the States. And his dad basically just disowns him right away. Like Riot doesn't even get inside the front door. He is on the lawn and his dad marches out and is like, I have no son. And then Riot is like, fine. Goodbye, mother. You know, a lot in this TV show, characters just like go to other countries and then they're just like done. They're there. It's fine. It doesn't cost any money. But Riot actually makes a point to say that he worked his way back to Europe. Including washing dishes, which I had a hard time believing that Riot has ever washed a dish in his life. He had the most incredible hairnet. Riot eventually gets back to Europe, meets up with Nirvana again, and then is like, but this time I was determined to never again let anyone else control my life. And thus true Riot was born. And we get character development via hair growth. Yeah we flash forward to this jam session and Riot's wearing this incredible outfit. It is like a black shirt, black slacks, a bright red skinny tie, and his enormous mane of hair. He looks like literally Satan. He looks like Lucifer from the Vertigo comics. He's playing the lead guitarist part and the lead guitarist guy is like, you what, mate? And then Riot's like, I'm better than this. I'm better than you. And Minx is like, he is actually better than you. The band leader gives them an ultimatum and Riot's like, fine, I'll start my own band. And Minx goes with him. Because Minx knows to hitch her wagon up to that pony. One of these people is going to be famous and she knows which one it is. So we go to more narration and Riot says, Rapture soon joined us with no explanation of where she came from. Riot talks about how they weren't able to get that many gigs. So they just kind of spent the winter on the streets busking with electric guitars and, and, and amplifiers. They ran an extension cord from a traffic light. It's fine. And then we get our next song. By the way, all of these are singer songs. And it's it's a hard, hard life, which is basically the backstory song. It's the success montage. Honestly, though, the stingers like struggling through starvation and poverty together. It really explains their like super intense codependency thing. What a good dynamic these characters have. So they're like, they're doing stadium shows at this point. And then backstage at like a stadium show, Minx runs in and says, you got we got an invitation to play at Lay Club Cool in the States. Lay Club Cool, of course, being the place where Eric Raymond and Jerrica Benton both started fighting over who gets to sign the stingers. And somehow that means they've made it. So we cut back to Riot's apartment where it turns out they've been up all night. And Riot's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to keep you. Jem's like, oh, don't worry about it. It was very interesting. I feel like I understand you better now. And then she goes in for a kiss and Riot is like, uh, I don't I must go to the hospital? Wow. He's very distracted right now. Jem volunteers to drive Riot back to the hospital. If she's been up all night, she should definitely not be driving. But we cut back to the hospital anyway, where the doctor announces that Riot's mom is going to be okay. And Riot's dad is in there, which means that when Riot walks in, they immediately start fighting. It's like two cats in a bag. And then Riot's mom just flatlines. She just dies. (laughs) Commercial break, memento mori, Riot's mom just 
died. Except we get back from the commercial break and with like no explanation of what went wrong or how they fixed it, Riot's mom has stabilized. It's like implied as there's a defibrillator, but you don't defibrillate a flatline, so I don't know what's going on there. Mackenzie, you you did some EMT work. How is she not dead? Uh, she should be dead. I choose to believe that like the heart monitor fell off her finger and that's why she flatlined. <laughs> I actually really remember we had uh, one of our classes and I remember our instructor at one point was like, it's not like in movies. If someone flatlines, just give up. And uh, we were only supposed to do AEDs or uh, or compressions whenever we could actually like still feel a pulse, even if it was faint. Uh, and if they were hooked up to a monitor, you could still see a sputtering of stuff, even if it was very far apart. That's the only time to really do it. Because once it's flatlined, it's not going to do anything. Wow, plot contrivance is a debilitating disease. Yes, it is. So the doctor is like, what's wrong with you people? Get out of here and don't come back. Kudos to that doctor. They didn't leave the room beforehand. They resuscitated this patient while everybody was still in the room, while there were two glam rockers and an army man, who I believe at this point has been bumped back down to Brigadier General. He was Lieutenant General last time we saw him. They get kicked out, and as they're walking down the sidewalk, Riot and Riot's dad are yelling at each other, and Jem's just like, both of you are impossible. I think we've all been waiting for this, just this whole episode, to see both of these men get yelled at. I think that's the most emoting I've ever heard out of Jem's voice actress, is that line. Jem doesn't get to emote very much, but I like it when she does. We go back to Starlight Mansion, where we see the other main characters for like the first time because I think Kimber was the only one who had a line earlier in this episode. All the holograms were in the elevator but Kimber was the only one who got to talk. Jem catches up the holograms and talks about how both Riot and his dad are being completely ridiculous though you know a history of emotional abuse. Anyway, Rhea's like, oh, you know, it's too bad you can't talk to Riot's mom. And Jem's like, oh, I'm going to do something completely dangerous and illegal with holograms in a room full of sick people. And Rhea's like, that's not what I suggested. Jem's like, bye, can't hear you. Gonna impersonate a nurse. So we cut to Jem having broken into the hospital and she holograms herself into a nurse. But it's very clearly just Jem in a sexy nurse uniform with like the little pillbox hat perched on top of her hair. And she lurks outside of Riot's mom's room where the doctors are like, I can't understand it. It's like she doesn't have the will to live. We can't help her if she refuses to help herself. And also she just gave birth to Leia Organa and Luke Skywalker. We're still mad about that. Jem sneaks into the hospital room after the doctors and nurses have left. And she's like, how are you feeling, Mrs. Llewellyn? Oh my god. And then we see again where Rory gets it because she's tired. Tired of trying to hold together a family that's come apart at the seams. I need a rest. I need a long rest because I'm out of spells and I need my spell slots back. So Jem then breaks into Riot's dad's house. I don't think breaking in is exactly the word for this. She walks around to the backyard. She is uninvited. She is in fact uninvited. She's trespassing. And she's like, hey, hey. You should go watch your son in concert, and that will cure all your ills. He is very famous, and probably one of the most famous men in the world, and owns his own record company, so he's actually a success. And Riot's dad is like, well, I mean, musician? What kind of undisciplined life is that? And Jem points out that, hey, you actually have to be pretty disciplined to get good at music. It's kind of like a big tenet of it. And then she's like, also, he kind of slept on the street. He was homeless for six months while he tried to make his music work in Germany. In the winter. It sucked. And the dad is like, hmm, hmm, never. 
And Jem's like, okay, I tried. And then Jem goes to see Riot, who is in his brooding fishnets. And when Jem says that she went to go talk to Riot's dad, Riot actually seems like genuinely concerned for her safety, which again, red flag. Jem is also like, hey, you're literally killing your mom, but less so than your dad. He's a real chotch. And then Riot's voice actor does this really good bit here because Jem's like, you need to reconcile with your dad. And Riot goes into this bit that's kind of a petulant, stubborn child who is actually hurting and has a very good reason to hurt and his voice cracks and he's like why should I make an effort he's never made one he's he's never tried to understand anything I've ever done honestly like this relationship between Riot and his dad seems like something that would benefit more from a clean split than from reconciliation like sometimes people just aren't compatible with each other and shouldn't be in each other's lives but this is gem world so instead we go to the stinger show the next time they have a concert and dad has shown up to this in full military dress by the way he's been promoted back back up to three stars at this point, I believe. And he sits next to this hippie. This dude's like, Grandpa came to the Stinger show. Hey, man, give me five. And Riot's dad seems to think that that means give me money. And he's like, not on your life, get a job. And then the dude explains this newfangled lingo that means I want to shake your hand. And then starts going on about how he's so in love with Riot. Dad's like, oh, this entire crowd is excited to hear my son play music. This is foreign. And then we go into our last music video. Which is of course still a stinger song and it's a freaking power ballad called Let Me Be. Complete with people waving lighters out of rhythm with the music at the end. And so we go backstage after the concert after everyone has lost their minds over this one song. The security guy is like nobody can get through. And uh, Riot's dad is like no I'm Riot's dad. I'm no fan. That's my son. And the security guard's like oh yeah and I'm Madonna's my sister. And then Jem comes over and it's like, wait, I'll vouch for him. He's a friend of mine. He's also Riot's father. And the security guard has a complete breakdown. He's like, oh no, right this way, sir. I love the security guard so much. Like he actually escorts them right into Riot's dressing room, which makes me think there's some kind of like fey debt thing going on. Like he misstepped and now he is bound to serve them forever. And would you put that outside of the realm of possibility? No, because this is Riot. Riot and his dad then have the most awkward exchange ever of two incredibly awkward men. I was in the neighborhood and Friday's like, oh, did you catch the show? Yeah, you, uh, you seem to have a lot of fans. You may have a bit of talent after all, I guess. The most backhanded compliment of all time. And then they're like, maybe we should go to the hospital together? Yeah, maybe we should. And then they go to the hospital together. And just like that, their terrible, terrible relationship is fixed. And mom is better. Nobody's shouting when she wakes up. And they're like, we're sorry. We were selfish and didn't consider you. There probably also should have been like, hey, I'm sorry for emotionally abusing my son for his entire life. The important thing is, Riot is at least on speaking terms enough with his father to call in a favor in the next episode. Gotta say, Bonnie. Yeah, out of everything that we have left, the real thing that we needed to resolve before we wrapped up this cartoon show was, what about Bonnie's dad? Mackenzie, this is basically our, our swan song for Riot. Yeah. How you feeling? I love Riot. I wish that Jim had gotten to stick around more and have more Riot in it. But at least in the penultimate episode and the final episode are all Riot's a hero. That wraps up the penultimate episode. So because we never do things quite the right way here, we actually have a guest star for the next episode, which is the last episode of the cartoon. And this is going to be the first time he's been on. Yeah, our friend Lucas is joining us for the final episode because that's one of the episodes he had on 
on VHS growing up. Yeah, so we'll have a cartoon retrospective after that one, and that's where we'll sort of get into more detail of what the podcast is going to look like going forward, since there's still comics coming out, and what we're going to be focusing on next. We also have uh, some Patreon thank yous. What we got, Kit? Uh, thank you to Godort. Thank you, Godort. We're waiting on you, Godort. Thank you to Catherine J. Thank you, Catherine. Bless you, Catherine J. Thank you, Witsu. Thank you, Witsu. Thank you to the Mela Experience. Thank you, the Mela. Thank you, the Mela Experience. Thank you to Sheena Perry. Thanks, Sheena. Thanks, boss. Is that really your boss? Yes, it is. Thank you to Welcome to Storybrook. Thank, thank you, thank hmm, you. Guys are making this tough for me. Thank you, welcome to. Thank you, welcome to Storybrook. And thank you to Andrew Rayburn. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Mister Rayburn. We'll meet again. What was that a threat? You don't know. I mean, you're right, I don't. The Gem Jam comes out every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter and Tumblr. We are at the Gem Jam just about everywhere except on Twitter, where we are at Gem Jam Cast. If you like what we do and you want to support us, a like, rating, review, subscribe, comment, wherever you find our podcast is always super helpful. Helps our metrics, helps us get discovered, helps us feel good in our hearts about glam rock and about glam rock almost being over. Oh no. Oh no, oh no. If you want to support us with dollars, you can do that at patreon.com slash the Gem Jam for a couple bucks a month. You can support both this and other projects like I Will Fight You, which is a very good podcast that will have an episode about Kingdom Hearts coming up soon, and Date Me Damn It, where Kit plays Otome games and we yell at her while she does so. Join us next time uh, when we'll have Lucas Brown on and we will talk about A Father Should Be, the last episode of the Gem cartoon. Oh my god. Annie, no. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Postpone the emotional breakdown, Annie. I'm not crying, you're crying. Until then, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. I'm Mech. And this has been the Gem Jam, where we remind you, that which is striking and beautiful is not always outrageous, but that which is outrageous is always beautiful. <laughs>